President, starring Edward Arnold. The American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations present Mr. President. Mr. President, at home in the White House, the elected leader of our country, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who've lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. The true human stories of Mr. President. Now, Edward Arnold has Mr. President. Let's visit him in the White House. It's evening, and only one window shows a light, a study on the ground floor. We find ourselves in the corridor outside his office. Good evening. I'm the President's secretary. Won't you go in, please? Some visitors for you, Mr. President. Hello. Sit down, won't you? You know what often happens in the White House, as it does everywhere else that just when things are quiet, that's the moment to look out for trouble. The almost forgotten but true story I'm going to tell you happened to one of our presidents. And it's about an incident that involved this country in one of its most dangerous situations. Later on, I'll tell you which president I was when this story happened. But meanwhile, see if you can guess. One day, my secretary, Miss Sarah, and I were finishing a hurried but excellent lunch. It was the first White House meal prepared by a French cook Miss Sora had insisted upon employing. Wonderful, Miss Zara. Oh, I'm very glad, Mr. President. That was the finest plate of ham and eggs I've had in months. Jambon et des oeufs au plat de Rochambeau. I beg your pardon? Jambon et des oeufs au plat de Rochambeau. <laughs> it's what the new cook calls ham and eggs. <laughs> new French cook, huh? Well, whatever she calls anything, she's wonderful. Wouldn't you like to tell her so yourself? She said if you were pleased with the first meal she cooked, might she have the honor of meeting you? Oh, by all means. She's been waiting in the pantry. Madame Videl. Oui, Monsieur. Come in, please. The president liked your ham and your jambon et des oeufs au plat de Rochambeau very much. I did. I did indeed, Mrs. Videl. Oh, I'm so happy, Monsieur le President. Tonight, I will cook for you a dish of my native province. Good. What it'll be? Escargot avec des légumes à la Côte d'Azur. Escargot? Snails, Monsieur le President. Snails? Oh, no, Mrs. Videl. Do you know how to make broiled ham and apple fritters a la... Well, uh, the way we make them in Ohio. Ah, mes apple fritters. Oh, Monsieur le Président, mais non. I am a French woman. I am a French cook. What have I to do with Ohio? I guess you're right, Mrs. Vidal. Uh, you go right on being a French woman and a French cook. Only, no snails. Très bien, Monsieur le Président. <laughs> no snails. <laughs> you know, Miss Sarah, it's wonderful what good food can do for a human being. <laughs> But that night, while everything was so calm and pleasant in the White House, something quite different was about to happen in the city of New Orleans. It was dark. A drizzling rain was falling, and on a corner stood a boy waiting. Then he saw a man walking rapidly toward him, and he began to whistle. Uh, uh. <laughs> 
was so treacherously ambushed was Chief of Police Hennessy of New Orleans. In a few minutes, he was lying on a sofa in the nearby house of a friend. Listen. Yes? The boy that whistled, he was their lookout. And two men fired the shots. I saw them as a fail. Do you know who they were, Hennessy? Yes. They... they... Hennessy? Hennessy! Police Hennessy died, but expert detective work by other officials led to the arrest of the murderers and their accomplices, eight men all told. They were members of a powerful secret criminal society known originally in Italy as the Mafia, or Black Hand. They had long terrorized New Orleans. Soon they were brought to trial. Your Honor, eight men stand charged with murder and with belonging to the secret criminal society of the Mafia. This jury finds him not guilty. Not guilty? Not guilty? That jury was intimidated by the Mafia like this whole city. If the courts won't punish him, then the citizens in Orleans will. letters and reports for you. Oh, thanks, Miss Sarah. Well, did you have a good breakfast, Mr. President? Mm, as usual. Mm-hmm. This letter's from the vice president. Uh, we'll answer it this afternoon. Oh, speaking of breakfast, I've only got one complaint about Mrs. Vidal's cooking. Yes? Uh, she's been here over a month, and she still hasn't made me any ham and apple fritters. <laughs> I'm afraid she never will. She's been acting a little uh, rebellious lately. Oh. Oh, and why? Well, every time you ask her for your favorite dish, she feels you don't like her French cooking. Well, the truth is, I am a little tired of the rich food she prepares. I want broiled ham for variety. My favorite dish. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Mm, mm. Oh, good heavens. What is it? It's a report from the federal attorney in New Orleans. Last night there, were, there was a lynching riot. A mob broke into the jail and killed eight men who just stood trial for murder. The newspaper said they'd been acquitted. That's what started the riot, Miss Sarah. Oh, the people there still thought they were guilty, I suppose. Regardless of that, lynching is horrible. It's brutal and lawless. And probably these lynchers will go free. Isn't there anything you can do, Mr. President? I regret that such things happen in this country. Well, I mean, is there nothing you can do directly? That's purely a matter for the state of Louisiana, Miss Sarah. In a case like this, the President of the United States is helpless. Mr. President, the Secretary of State. Oh, come in, Mr. Secretary. Mr. President, you know all about the lynching of those eight men in your audience. Oh, of course, and I think it's a disgrace. It's worse than that, sir. As a result of it, the United States may find itself at war. War? What are you talking about? The Italian government demands that we punish the mob who carried out the lynching and pay a heavy indemnity to the dead men's families. They demand? The Italian government? On what grounds? Well, they claim that these men were Italian citizens. Were they? Or were they American citizens? That point's not clear at all, sir. 
But the Italian government assumes they were Italians, and that's why they take such a strong tone with us. But they must know our federal government has no police authority inside a state. We can't move against the lynch mob. Of course, and that's what we'll have to say in our reply. Only I doubt if the Italian government will accept it. Hmm, and if they don't? The Italian Navy is very strong, Mr. President. Oh, I see what you mean. We're not in a strong diplomatic position, are we? We're in a very weak one, and to, to put it bluntly, Mr. President, if it turns out that those men were actually Italian citizens, well, you can see how a serious international incident can develop. Wars have started over far less than the lives of eight men. Uh, Mr. Secretary, before we can answer the Italian government, we've got to have some more information. I'll send for the governor of Louisiana, and then we can talk to the Italian ambassador. I'll notify you as soon as the governor arrives. Now, whatever happens, Mr. Secretary, we're not going to permit any foreign government to deal with us this way. Mr. President, I had your message. I came as soon as I could reach the Italian ambassador. Did you bring him with you? He's waiting in the blue room now, sir. Good. The governor of Louisiana is in the West study. Mr. Secretary, it'll take me only a moment or so to talk to the governor and get an insurance of action from him. Action? Punishment of the lynch mob? Exactly. I suggest you join the ambassador and I'll be there in a few minutes. I'll be waiting anxiously, sir. Now, let's hope this is the answer to our problem. Governor, I appreciate your making this special trip to Washington. I know it's an urgent matter, sir. Hey, please sit down, won't you? I'll yeah. come right to the point. It's uh, about the lynchings, isn't it? Yes, uh, we're in serious trouble with the Italian government over them. In fact, the Italian ambassador is waiting for our official explanation. Now, who were those men, and why were they murdered? The jury said they were innocent. The people of New Orleans believed they were guilty. And they acted accordingly. As I understand it, they were charged with the murder of Chief of Police Hennessy and with other murders as well. Yeah, that's true. But a great deal lay behind the charges. For a long time, Hennessy had been trying to smash the mafia in New Orleans. They had the city terrorized. That's why the people believed they intimidated the jury. And they were lynched because the people of Louisiana refused to tolerate a foreign secret criminal society any longer. Uh, you're satisfied they belong to the mafia? Well, not only those men, but... Dozens more who haven't been caught. They're the worst kind of criminals, Mr. President. They fled to this country when Italy herself systematically attacked the mafia. Do you know if they were still uh, Italian citizens or had they taken out American citizenship papers? Well, as far as we know, sir, few of them ever bothered to become American citizens. You know, we have a difficult situation, Governor. Even if those men were the worst kind of criminals, that doesn't condone lynching. Well, oh, no, well, of course not, Mr. President. In Louisiana, we regret the tragedy as much as anyone. Governor, I have no authority to compel you or the state of Louisiana to act in this matter, but I'm going to ask your help. Yes, sir. The Secretary of State and I have to settle this question with the Italian government. If we don't handle it just right, it may lead to war. War? Boy, I, I didn't realize, Mr. President. Now, it'll help us tremendously if we know that you're going to catch and punish the members of the lynch mob. Well, we can try, sir. In fact, we're already trying. Will you personally push the investigation? Well, of course I will, Mr. President. That's what I had hoped you'd do. Now, uh, well, will you stay overnight? Well, uh, thank you, Mr. President, but I think I'd better start right back from New Orleans. I suppose that is best. Thank you again for coming, Governor. And now I can talk to the Italian ambassador. Uh, goodbye, sir. I'll, goodbye. I'll report to you very soon. Good. 
gentlemen, I am sorry to have kept you waiting. How do you do, Mr. Ambassador? I am honored, Mr. President. Mr. Ambassador, I would like to speak quite frankly. Excellente, Senor President. We are very disturbed at the tone of the protest your government made to us. Eight men were murdered, Mr. President. That is good reason for disturbance. May I ask, what is your reply? The answer of the government of the United States to your government, sir, makes several points. First of all, you must understand something about the structure of our government. I have already American history with interest, Mr. President. Uh, the ambassador prides himself on his knowledge of America, Mr. President. Uh-huh. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, our nation consists of states which enjoy certain powers and the federal government which enjoys certain other powers. The one cannot interfere with the other. I am aware of all of these things, Mr. President. I don't think so, Mr. Ambassador. Or you'd realize that the President of the United States, for one thing, cannot punish murderers. You mean they are to go free? I mean that it's up to the state of Louisiana to catch the men who formed that lynch mob and punish them. The state of Louisiana, sir? You expect us to deal with one of your states. Mr. Ambassador, I believe the president means this, that uh, we need a little time to see that the state of Louisiana takes action. Action? One of your courts said those men were innocent, whereupon they were murdered. My government protests vigorously the persecution and murder of innocent men. Now, just a minute, Mr. Ambassador. We have good reason to believe those men belong to the mafia, a secret society professional criminals that came here from Italy in the first place. Your government knows all about the mafia. Why did you let them leave? Why were you content to drive them out of your country to become a menace to other countries? Well, I, uh, I, I cannot argue that point, Mr. President. Of course not. I have made the protest of my government. What is your reply? You can sum it up this way. The United States government deplores lynching. It will do everything it can to see that the innocent do not suffer and that the guilty are punished. But it will not accept high-handed dictation from another nation as to its conduct. That is very strong language, Mr. President. Do you wish me to report this conversation to my government? In your words? Yes, I most certainly do, sir. For a moment. Oh, of course, Miss Sarah. What is it? Madame Videl. Oh, she decided to make my broiled ham and apple fritters at last? Well, I finally ordered her to, but she flatly refuses and wants to speak to you. I'm sorry, Mr. President. Oh, it's all right. Let her come in. Oh, thank you. Come in, Madame Videl, please. Merci bien, mademoiselle. Monsieur le Président, there is one thing I do not understand. Only one thing, Mrs. Videl? You're very lucky. I have cooked for you jambon de serve à la rochambeau, escargot avec des légumes à la côte de sour. I have made thousand and one wonderful dishes, and you want ham and apple fritters. It is too much, Monsieur le Président. Well, I don't see why, Mrs. Videl. Apple fritters are easy to make. What are apple fritters? Food is not only for the stomach, it is also for the soul. What can apple fritters do for the soul? Well, in Ohio, Mrs. Videl, they can do a great deal. Now, this evening, if you like, I'll come down to the kitchen and show her how to make oh, apple fritters. Show me. Mon Dieu, Monsieur le Président. I am insulted. I am very, very insulted. For 20 years in Paris, I cooked for Monsieur le Duc de Choiseul, for Madame la Comtesse de Noyer de Chambra, in the Café de Trochard, and in Maxine. No one can show me how to cook. <laughs> I'm afraid I hurt her feelings, Miss Sarah. But I thought you liked the way she cooks. Miss Sarah, I have an Ohio stomach. And an Ohio stomach is certain ideas of its own. Now, I've got enough of French cooking. Do you suppose we could find her another job? 
Well, only yesterday the French embassy called and wanted to take her away from us. I said no. Well, let's change our minds, Miss Sarah. Uh, give us, uh, give Mrs. Vidal two weeks' wages, a wonderful letter of recommendation, and the address of the French embassy. Then maybe I can get some apple fritters, huh? Mr. President, a letter from the governor of Louisiana. Oh, let me see it. Mm-hmm. Dear Mr. President, I have conferred with the police authorities of New Orleans about apprehending members of the lynch mob. Though deploring mob violence as deeply as we do, and though deeply aware of the danger of hostilities with Italy, they consider themselves helpless. Many thousands of people were involved in the riots, and no one will admit guilt, especially as so many people feel that the mafia society here must be smashed one way or another. As it is impossible to arrest and question half the population of the city, I must confess that my mission has failed. With sincere regrets and so forth. Now we are in trouble, Miss Sarah. That was our best hope and it's gone. I've received another note from the Italian government. And what do they say, Mr. Secretary? It's one of the most insulting diplomatic messages I've ever seen, sir. They reject our explanation, our request for time to investigate, and make certain hostile criticisms of our form of government that we're a group of lawless states masquerading as a nation. I've I, I brought the note for you to read, sir. Well, they're making so much of this incident, Mr. Secretary. I don't fully understand it. It's very serious, sir. I know, I know, but it doesn't call for international insults, especially ones that may lead to war. Well, my theory, sir, is that Italy is oversensitive, hot-headed. They may not realize how close to war they're carrying us and themselves. What's the next step, Mr. Secretary? They've already taken it. They have? What? They've called their ambassador home. He's been withdrawn. They've broken off diplomatic relations. Exactly, Mr. President. Then we haven't any choice, have we? Why? Well, I don't quite follow you, sir. Well, we've got to recall our ambassador from Rome. Well, I thought of that, sir, of course, but it's such an extreme step to take. Still, we've got to take it. We'll be severely criticized. Right here at home, sir. They, they'll claim it means war. I know, but that's a complication we'll have to meet as best we can. Very well, sir. I will dispatch a recall order to our ambassador at once, and I'll keep you informed. Thank you. Uh, come in, Miss Sarah. I'm just leaving. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. Oh, what is it, Miss Sarah? You look worried. Mr. President, I, I'm terribly sorry. Well, what is it, Miss Sarah? Come out with it. Well, it seems so unimportant, but Madame Videl oh. refuses to be discharged with two weeks' wages. She's going to sue the White House. <laughs> President, here are the evening papers. Well, I can imagine what they're like. I've picked out the most important editorial. Now, what do they say? That we're not prepared for war and that the White House is seriously at fault for letting this crisis come about. Hmm. Have any of them any idea how to solve the crisis? Here are several messages from government officials, all deeply alarmed. Well, I'll look them over later. Good night, Miss Sarah. Come in. Come in. Oh, good morning, Miss Sarah. Good morning, Mr. President. The 
Secretary of State's on his way upstairs. I've ordered your breakfast sent up here to your room. What about his breakfast? He said he didn't feel like eating anything. I'm surprised to find you so cheerful, Mr. Mm, President. Me? Why not? It's a beautiful morning, and things look different in the sunlight. Oh, they don't to you, huh? I'm afraid I have an international incident of my own. Oh, uh, come in, Mr. Secretary. (laughs) Thank you, Miss Sarah. Good morning, Mr. President. Good morning. Breakfast will be right up, gentlemen. Mr. Secretary, you look glum, too. With good reason, sir. I had a very early morning message. I am being called before the Senate Foreign Affairs Committee today. About the ambassador? Yes. To explain how we've come to this very dangerous situation with Italy. The problem is, what am I to say that won't make the situation worse? If I explain the facts, the Italian government may be even more offended than it is now. And the Senate is hardly going to be friendly. Mr. Secretary, when you walked in, I saw your face drop because I wasn't gloomy, too. I've been thinking hard all night. And I believe I know how we can end this situation. Uh, Between now and the time I go up to the Senate, sir? Uh, That's pretty quick. No, not that quickly. But you can explain that we are reopening negotiations with Italy. Reopening negotiations, sir? How? Along what lines? Well, first of all, we must admit that the lynching was a brutal crime... and we must pay the families of those men an indemnity. Yes. But that won't satisfy the Italians. They want the murderers punished. Well, it's just possible I've got the answer, Mr. Secretary. I want, uh, I want you to make the Italians this offer. I will ask Louisiana to make new efforts to find and punish the lynchers. But they can't, sir. It's a physical impossibility. I know, I know. They'd have to put a detective in every home in New Orleans, and then it wouldn't work. But wait till you hear the second part of my offer. Yes? In exchange for our promise, I want Italy to take back all the mafia members, all the murderers, robbers, and blackmail that we may find anywhere in this country. They they won't agree to that, sir. That's impossible, too. Exactly my point, Mr. Secretary. If we face them with an impossible request, they'll see what an impossible problem they gave us. Then they may come around to accepting a perfectly reasonable settlement. We'll ask Congress to vote an indemnity to the families of these men who were lynched. And we'll take the necessary steps to see that there's no repetition of a crime of this kind. I'll be most happy to follow your plan, sir. But uh, I still have to answer the Senate this morning. I think all you'd better say is that you're reopening negotiations with the Italians. I wonder if that'll satisfy the senators. Then there's one more thing you can say. That as soon as I can, I'll tell them myself whether it's to be peace or war. What is it? Good news at last, sir. The Italian government has seen the wisdom of your proposal. They're willing to settle the dispute by negotiation. Oh, so trying to give the mafia back to them worked, didn't it? eh? (laughs) It did indeed, sir. They will regard the matter as closed if Congress votes an indemnity to the families of the men who were lynched. I'm sure Congress will do it, Mr. Secretary. Well, this is a great relief. Well, only one thing remains, sir. Your message to both houses of Congress. It's not war, but peace. Our negotiations with the Italian government have ended successfully, and our two great nations are again friends. However, however, 
This incident enables me to remind all peoples of the world that America's arms are always open to the poor, the oppressed, to the brave, the honest, the ambitious, who want freedom in a new land. But no foreign organization hostile to our traditions and dangerous to our civilization will be permitted to exist in the United States. We have labored to build a free nation, and we shall labor to keep it a free nation. Sarah, are you still here? It's rather late. Well, yes, I'm still here. How was the banquet, Mr. President? Oh, I enjoyed it. Do you mean the food was really good at a banquet? Well, I don't know about that. I was glad to see our ambassador on his way back to Italy. Oh, well, Mr. President, you've had your international incident, and I've had one, Now, too. don't tell me Mrs. Vidal finally refused to withdraw her lawsuit. Well, today I had a long talk with the legal attaché of the French embassy. We did settle. Madame Vidal and the White House won't have to face each other in a court of law. Oh, oh that's wonderful. <laughs> Not quite so wonderful, Mr. President. I had to pay her in full. Oh, well, never mind, Miss Sarah. We can't win every time. <sighs> in any case, she's now happily installed in the French embassy, and that is that. Oh, good. But, Miss Sarah, I didn't eat very much at the banquet, and I'm going down to the kitchen for something to eat. Wouldn't you like a little snack? Well, I, um, I already had something, Mr. President. Mm, when? When I was so hungry a while ago, I went down to the kitchen and helped the assistant cook prepare a big dish of ham and apple fritters. Oh, that's wonderful. And I left an equally big dish in the oven for you. Oh, that's fine, Miss Sarah. You know, if you're not careful, I'll offer you the job of White House cook. <laughs> I was a little afraid of that. So today I employed a new cook, and she comes from Ohio. Ohio? Mm. Good night, Miss <laughs> Good Trenzo. night. Good night, Miss Sarah. <laughs> Yes, that's how it happened. We avoided an entirely unnecessary war with Italy and settled the matter in friendly style. And at the same time, we solved a very naughty servant problem. Oh, yes. There are servant problems in the White House, too. Now, have you guessed yet which president I was when these events took place? Well, the time was in 1891. And, uh... Benjamin Harrison lived in the White House then as Mr. President. I hope you'll come to see me again next week when I'll have another story for you about Mr. President. Good night. Mr. Arnold appears as Mr. President by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of Romance of Rosie Ridge, starring Van Johnson, Thomas Mitchell, and Janet Lee. Mr. President is presented each week by the American Broadcasting Company. It is produced by Robert G. Jennings, directed by Dwight Hauser. Miss Sarah is played by Betty Lou Gerson. Tonight's story by Paul R. Milton was suggested by two incidents in the administration of President Benjamin Harrison. Music was composed and conducted by Basil Adler.
sure to listen again next week over most of these ABC stations when Edward Arnold brings you another story of Mr. President. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. <laughs>